Showtime! The black and gold live here 24-7. This is SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? High noon on a Tuesday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. Between the two of us, we have a decade of NFL experience, a really nice head of hair, and a lot of chops when it comes to the grill and just, you know, being outstanding pit mm-hmm. masters. Mm-hmm. What's up, Motes? Man, living life to the fullest, man. You know how we do dream chasing every single day. <laughs> Something like that. Chasing dreams or chasing our tail around in a circle. I don't know. One or the other. Hey, but man, as long as you're living life to the fullest, that's all that matters, baby. <laughs> you guys already know the drill. You want to chime in anytime over the next well, 120 minutes or so here on... Look, look uh, at that WU math going to work. <laughs> i see you today. Let's go. On SNR, uh, you can find us on Twitter, of course. Questions, comments, concerns, reaction. Get at us there. At Wesley Euler at DaBody52. DaBody. Arthur Motes, we got some movement since yesterday. We um, had a lot of action since yesterday. Yeah, and I have a feeling that's going to continue this week. I yeah, gotta, we're going to have plenty of, uh, of new housekeeping items, new moving and shaking, like you said, plenty of action. That's indeed, man. Coming down the line this week. I mean, week. The, the, the real question is, which action do you want to talk about first? <laughs> I mean, we got retirements, we got league yeah. news, we got unofficial official agreements. Yeah. We, we got all type of stuff going on, man. How about um, the NFL, uh, apparently, according to Ian Rappaport, offering the Players Association no preseason games ahead of the twenty. 20- 20 season uh this seemed like a big thing for the players that they wanted this scrapped yeah they they uh from my understanding their biggest thing the biggest reason behind the one is scrapped is so they could have more time to prepare like a for this season yeah but for me I, I told you I, I don't really like this that much just because I was a guy who benefited largely from the preseason games especially my first year my I mean first two years honestly I got it because of preseason games, not because of preseason practices, Hmm. training camp practices. And a lot of times, like I said, from the outside looking in, it doesn't really seem as big of an issue. It's, oh, man, you can just evaluate guys in practice. But there is a different level that goes from a practice setting to a game setting. And, I mean, some guys are great at practice. It's no different than some people are are great at practicing in the house, right? Great at singing in the house. You put them on stage and they choke. You know how many people done sung the national anthem and they bomb it when when it's time to do a live, but they killed it every day in practice, though. You might might quiz your kids and they might Mm -hmm. seem to know the material really well, but if they go and take the test and they get an F, it doesn't matter how well you knew the stuff the day before. So that's my biggest issue with this because that is exactly the case. And like I said, for me, man, having the nine years of experience that I did have, I saw numerous numerous individuals look like first ballot Hall of Famers and OTAs in training camp. Sure. No exaggeration. And this is in all three teams I played for, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and Arizona. Guys look like first ballot Hall of Famers based on their practice tape. But then you get them in a game setting, preseason, not even regular season, preseason game, and it disappears. 
you see the lack of playmaking ability. You see the lack of productivity. You see the the freeze up from a mental standpoint when we like to call it live bullets. (laughs) So for me, man, I think that's very dangerous in terms of, you know, cutting back on the preseason games. Now, the person that benefits, though, mostly are the, the, the established veterans who have been on the team already. Because they got the upper hand. Sure. I mean, you think about it. If, it's, if you tell me I got four weeks, I've been in this system for a year or two, and you got some undrafted free agent or undrafted rookie, some sixth, seventh rounder going to try to come in here, get his body adapted to the NFL level, learn the playbook, and be productive all in four weeks ahead of me? Good luck with that, man. I, I highly doubt it. Yeah. So if I'm a veteran guy, I'm loving it. And I'm, I'm more than – Sure, that the veterans were the big people pushing oh, for us because it benefits them largely. I mean, let's be real about it. If I was playing at six, seven, eight, nine years in, oh, I'm pushing for that as well because I know, man, I'm going to run circles around one of these young boys coming in here, even a first-round draft pick. Outside of T.J. Watt, I could name numerous first-round draft picks that I played with at every t- every organization that struggled doing OTAs, sure. that struggled doing training camp that first year. And that was in a normal, <laughs> yeah. a normal calendar, a normal so, offseason. I'm like, man, so you tell me that all I got to do is beat them up for four weeks? Oh, psh. hey, babe, go ahead and book the vacation. We got extra money this year. This is a gimme year. <laughs> Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. And and those are, you know, typically the guys that have more power in these type of decisions, right? Are are the veteran mm-hmm. voices, not not the younger guys, the guys that have And we're not even talking the superstar veteran voices. We're right. just talking on a team. You probably have I mean, if you I mean, obviously in Pittsburgh, we've been blessed to have a plethora of superstar talent. But the majority of teams in the NFL probably have five to six total superstars. Guys that can be <clears throat> pro bowlers and give Correct. Years. Pro bowlers are pros can go on any team and be a star there. Five or six is is a big number that's a big, though. Yeah, that's you a got big five number. Five or six, because I, I like I said, two in Buffalo, in Buffalo we ball. literally had two or three. At, at the time, it was Fred Jackson. Uh, mm-hmm. We had Stevie Johnson, and then on defense, we had Cal Williams, Mario Williams. Those are the two, the the four that we felt that could go anywhere and still be a productive player, right. could still start. Obviously, in Pittsburgh, you have that on both sides of the ball because yeah. I mean Pittsburgh does a great job in terms of the talent that they've been able to acquire and things like that, but. The majority of the teams are constructed of your just good players to above average players that typically fall in the middle class. Even though the pay doesn't re, uh, the play the pay doesn't relate to middle class in terms of the NFL pay disparity between your superstars and your rookies. Sure, but just from a talent standpoint, they're that quote unquote middle class. So with them being the majority of the roster, yeah, they they are big on that. They're like absolutely, man. Let let's go ahead and uh. Kill this preseason and tell you know what they tell the young guys, gonna save your body, baby. Yep, it's, it's good for you. Yep, because, you need that ramp up period. Because think about this, man. If you had to go out there and play a game in two weeks, man, you wouldn't be prepared, right? You got you need some time to learn the playbook, man. Take your time with this thing and all these other things. While whole time the vets been had the playbook, the vets been in that system. The vets already got a year or two or three or whoever knows how long under their belt in that exact scheme. They know every check. They know every nuance of the call. And they also know what it takes from a physical conditioning standpoint sure. to be successful at this level. So, I mean, for those guys, it's the old banana in the tailpipe trip. <laughs> hey, 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 man, take it easy. Hey, you, don't, you don't need that extra rep today, no, baby. You, you good, good, you good, good. man. Good. Hey, hey, you got to pace yourself. Let it's, your body get used listen, to listen, this. Listen, it's a marathon, not a sprint, all right? And rest is key. That's, that's what they try to tell you. That's what the old has to tell the young guys in those situations. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder... Because I obviously completely agree with everything you're saying, and and you've you've been there, you you know how these things work within a locker room. Do you think there's any concern? What's the word I'm looking for? Logistically, maybe 
about, I mean, let's be honest, right? It's going to be a different season for a few different reasons, right? But we all know that this NFL season is not going to look the same as the previous 100 NFL seasons that we've had. Any concern, any pause in your mind that, man, I get this. But I also think it would be nice to have some type of dress rehearsal, how we're going to have these guys arrive to stadiums, what that's going to look like with all the personnel, where you're going to go in the locker room, how you're going to be spaced out, how the the two teams are going to have to take the field in different areas and all those different things that they're going to have to implement. Do you think there could be some learning pains maybe if you just jump right in week one in kind of this whole new world? Come on now, you know that makes too much sense to think like that. The NFL operates kind of like social media. You got to get rid of logic and just act, okay? <laughs> so in this sense, of course, it would make a, a great amount of sense to go through a dress rehearsal of how you arrive to the stadium because they talk about the protocols from the locker room and the protocols in terms of being on the field and post game and things like that. But let's be real, anyone who's been to Heinz Field and has been behind the scenes, you know that the home and the away team walk in this the stadium together. Yep. I mean, they park right here in, in, in one part, and the players park their cars right next to them. We all walk in together. If you got beef with somebody, you can settle it. Everybody knows the story about Joy Porter. <laughs> it, 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 listen, there there is no running around about this name, man. You, you can walk right in there and blend right in with them. I've done it. I might know a guy, and I'm like, yo, that's my man. I'm going to walk in with him. We're going to have a conversation going to the locker room. So, they, uh, yeah, this is stuff that you definitely want to go over. And let's be real, every stadium has different protocols. Every sure. stadium is built differently. Some people, they enter on the same area. Some people, you got to drive in. Some people are opposite areas. So there are a lot of things from a logistical standpoint that you would want to get worked out. But, like I said, that makes too much sense. <laughs> you know what they, you know what they probably do? Wait till the day before the game to say, hey, I think we should have a dress rehearsal, guys. All right, let's, let's walk through this thing. You know we got to wait to the last minute, man. Yeah. At least they're consistent. Uh, that's the only thing that I'm worried about is it's it's. I, I understand why they're not doing the preseason games for every reason. Don't get me wrong, but that one does give me some pause. Give me some because I just I see how everything else has gone in kind of this again this this whole new world to tweet to keep uh to keep quoting Aladdin there as I fly off on my magic carpet. A whole new world. It's the truth, man. Can't walk down the same tunnel anymore. I mean, what are the referees? What are the officials get dressed at? You've got to have your space and mask your face. But I will say this, though. I think one positive of them not having the preseason games is that they don't have to worry about the logistical nightmare of trying to fit 90 guys into one yes. single locker room. Because they talked true. about at Heinz Field, they're going to use point. the Steelers and the Pitt Panthers. Now, anyone mm-hmm. who isn't familiar with the layout – the um, for game day right for the game day Heinz Field they'll have two major locker rooms side by side so one side is traditionally for the Steelers the other side is for Pitt with a bathroom area um, training room area as the divider but what they're talking about doing right now because of the 90-man roster because those lockers on game day I mean they hold probably 50 guys 50 guys Tops because it's still we always joke about the young guys. We say you haven't earned your locker yet because they'll have like this chair. The, well, no, 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 they'll have the split. It'll be two names on on one locker. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you got the right hook, I got the left hook. <laughs> so we would always say like, man, until until you you know earn it, you're not gonna get your own locker. And that's just on game day. That's not even counting like back at the Southside facility. Right, right. So just to put it in context, 
you talk about trying to have 90 guys if they were going to have preseason games, 90 guys on the road where some of these locker rooms are even smaller. Yeah. I mean, we talked about how, okay, at least at Heinz Field, it's a big locker room. I know in the old uh, old Chargers stadium where it was San Diego, it used to be a baseball stadium. That probably only held 20 people. We talked about how we would have three people sharing a locker, and this is all pros. Pro bowlers, like we're all in there together. You got to get dressed in shifts. Right. So that could essentially – what, that could essentially happen if you had these 90 guys playing a preseason game because both teams got to carry 90 guys so you sure. don't have that luxury. Sure. So in that regard, I can see the benefit that way of, you know, not having to go through the dress rehearsal because that's going to be a whole nother nightmare just because of the amount of personnel. So, I mean, <clears throat> it pros and cons to both of it. I just think this is something that still should have been handled with a lot earlier. I, I just I'm not a fan of the waiting to the last minute stuff. Bro. Remember, we're not mad. Just disappointed. We're just disappointed. Like this, this could have been worked out. Y'all could have been had these conversations about preseason logistics, games, regular season, how everything needs to operate. But of course, <laughs> here we are sitting on July twenty first. <laughs> Nothing like the eleventh hour, Motsi. Like, nah, we passed the eleventh hour, man. That's true. We're, we're past all this. We're burning man. the midnight oil yeah. here. <laughs> like this is unreal right now, man. Some more, uh, some more news and notes. Some Steelers moving and shaking. Some, uh, some roster additions and subtractions. Some rookies signing their deals. And some more news around the National Football League. We'll finish up with some of this uh, Tuesday housekeeping on the other side, if you will. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on <laughs> SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you here on the Stillers Blitz on a Tuesday. Boy, I didn't know what word you was about to say. Stillers? I thought you were saying on the six. I was like, boy, it is not the six, but all right. I'll roll with it. <laughs> Wherever you going with this thing, you know, I'm a ride. Uh, that, that's what I like about you, Motsy. I, I know that you, you know, you're in this with me, no matter what. Hey, every once in a while I might ask a question, but you know I'm in the car. <laughs> Yeah, just as long as I don't have to turn around and, you know, yell it. Hey, I'll turn this car around. Yeah, yeah. You just don't keep your hands to yourself. Dag nabbit, I'm not going to tell you again now. Arthur Motes, some, uh, some more um, news and notes uh, from the National Football League mm-hmm. yesterday. Uh, daily COVID testing has been agreed to, and I don't want to butcher this right. I think it's for the first, is it first four weeks uh, or two weeks? No, first two weeks. Okay. And then if they don't have a positive test, they'll switch Every to bi-weekly. Day, or bi-weekly. Yeah, go to okay. bi-weekly. And I think that's that's the right way to do it. That is, you know, the more and more I think about all this, Motsi, and you and I have, you know, we've stated some of our frustrations. You know, we're not mad. We're just disappointed with some of the... Uh, the lingering questions that still, you know, are out there with all of this and the mm-hmm. NFL's re- return to play, or I guess it's not even really return to play, starting to play, if you will. Uh, the more and more I think about this, I really, it's hard for them to do much, I think, until they find a way to just get everybody back in their city, get everybody tested, 
and see what those numbers look like. Yeah, you very know what true, I mean. Man. Like, if the, once they get all the testing done, and if those numbers are low, well, okay, then you know, then then we we carry on, and and maybe there's not as much concern, and and X, Y, and Z, and the things that follow. Or the opposite, right? If guys report and, and teams are having, you know, 20-some guy, guys in the teens, 20-some guys testing positive like that, well, okay, well, then we know we need to do X, Y, and Z as well, too. I, I don't know. It, it, obviously, the testing is a huge issue, a huge issue for, for any sports league and getting going. Um, it, it feels like they've got the right plan here, and now, <laughs> maybe it's a little unfortunate, but all we can really do at this point now, I feel like, is wait and, and see what all that testing reveals whenever teams do report. Yeah, very true. Um, from my perspective, um, and obviously I'm going out on a hunch here. I don't really know the details of the testing and stuff like that, but I'm going to assume that because these players aren't high risk, hmm. that there probably won't be a large amount that do test positive initially. But what my biggest concern is once they report to camp and things get going, we talked about logistically how they're going to have the players staying at either hotels or back at their home. Outside of the NBA bubble, remember, the bubble is isolated. They don't have the interaction with other people. Right. So my concern is when they go home, how are they still operating and and making sure they're putting themselves in the best position to be safe, to uh, not come into contact with anyone who might have COVID or be high risk, et cetera, and things along that nature. And I think the first week or two, once the tests come out, I mean, obviously they're going to be, you know, some people that probably will test positive initially, but my concern is, you know, when they say they're going to test every day for the first two weeks and then after that they're going bi-weekly, typically, I mean, we know how this works. <laughs> it's human nature. We've seen Uh-oh. it even with the uh, with the quarantine. Uh-oh. When you first come into something or when it's new, you're on high alert. You want to make sure that you're operating with the best. You're being extremely safe. My concern is, okay, four weeks from now, huh. now it's season time. But in four weeks, a lot can change in terms of how guys view Man, I don't want to go out or I want to make sure I'm doing this or I got to do this Mm. by the book. Or like I said earlier or yesterday, we talked about with students starting school back as well. Right. Especially young children, elementary, middle school, high school. Let's be real. A lot of NFL athletes have children that are going to be in school or already in school. So you open that up to a whole nother element of it. So that's my biggest concern is once this thing is rolling a couple weeks down the line. Yeah. And you're testing less and less. How long before something like that potentially happens where a guy might have contracted it, but we didn't test because we're doing biweekly. And now instead of it just being that one guy that you caught right away, now it's, man, this could he could have had this for a whole week. We're going to have to quarantine a lot larger uh, of the players and things right. like that. That's my concern. That's I mean, you know, I'm always thinking ahead in sure. terms of no, that's what is the concern. next potential obstacle. And I think that's something to be concerned with because, like I said, I love the testing every day. Because especially when you factor in the fact that these guys have to go home and interact with other people outside of the NFL. Yeah, they're not living in a bubble like some of these other right. leagues. But when you talk about as this thing progresses, you're going to test less. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially when we know things are going to get heated back up once people start going back to school, once people start going back to work. It's just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. If anything, I would flip-flop it. You know, I would rather you hmm. test less now, like do an initial test, all right, test every couple of days, bi-weekly at the beginning, but right. then once people start going and being more active huh. and back open, then you start to test more because they're going to have a lot more interactions. That's my thought process with it. Yeah, and you make me think something that, that you and I touched on a little bit yesterday, right? The 
one thing we don't want to happen, the one thing the league doesn't want to happen, certainly, is start, get going, and then have to stop, right? That that spells disaster. That never works out well, uh, both financially and just from an optics standpoint as well, too. Yeah, that's a good point by you. Because uh, you could easily see, right, okay, we have a month or so of training camp here. Guys take this really seriously. Mm-hmm. Everyone's on board. We make it to the regular season. We get to September and, and Labor Day. And schools still aren't open until after Labor Day. And make it to the regular season and everybody kind of lets their guard down a little mm-hmm. bit, and everybody goes home, and, mm-hmm. and you're right, and everybody's you know shopping and doing this mm-hmm. and that, and their kids are going back to school. And I mean, we saw that firsthand, what, two weeks ago when, remember, the bars and everything were open, people were going to the bars, going to the beaches, all these other things, and then, oh, we got a new spike, all right, hey, hey shut everything back down again. Like, yeah. we, we know. And, and until there's a vaccine or anything along those lines, it's not as if it's just going to magically disappear. So. It is not going to magically disappear. As much as, you know, if I had a wand, Arthur Motes, like if I was Harry Potter, I'd, See, I'd, I'd, I don't I'd even like need to try that. and make I, that I just, happen. I wish I had Dorothy's red ruby slippers, oh. if I could just click my heels three times. Because she said there's no place like home. I could say, mm-hmm. there's no COVID, there's no COVID, there's no COVID, and it just disappears. See? Wow. Yeah. I never thought about the, Come the on, ruby bro. red slippers. Yeah, they're undefeated. And they sparkly. See, now you got me thinking, <laughs> if I got those ruby red slippers, I'd be selfish. Please, West Virginia, win a game. Please, yeah. West Virginia, win a game. Please, West Virginia, win a national championship. Pretty please, pretty There's please. There's nothing like a national championship. There's nothing like a national championship. There's nothing to forget COVID. I don't care. There's oh, nothing like a man. national championship. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's it's a great point by you. Um, it's going to take vigilance. It, it yeah. certainly is. It's going to take everybody on the same page. And when you've got thousands of people that you're requiring to be on the same page... Yeah, anybody who's ever done a group project know how knows how that can turn out. But hey, let's let's get there first. Let's not put the cart ahead of the horse in this yeah. regard. Um, last kind of housekeeping thing I wanted to discuss with you here, Arthur Motes. It appears that a former Pittsburgh Steeler, uh oh, is maybe calling it quits. Now nah, maybe he said it. Uh, could be calling it quits. He said it is over. Second time he's calling it quits. Is this the second time? What was the first one? I don't even remember the first one. Well, remember he tweeted back that he'd never play in the NFL again, like in September or October, which is kind of retiring, but, technically, but not really. But technically, did he ever play after that whole situation? No. Yeah. No. So technically, I mean, I think that was more yeah. of like the I'm mad with you. This was the official breakup? Yeah. You know how it is. Like First, it's like, all right, she's trying to dump you, and you're like, nah, man, I'm dumping you. I ain't never coming back here again. <laughs> I'm out. Or you get like you, you, know you get a job, you know, when you're like a teenager and whatever, your early twenties or whatever, and you get caught doing something you shouldn't be yeah. doing, and you're like, "No, I quit. You can't fire me." Yeah, I'm out. I'm I'm out. And no, then, you guys and, don't treat me right. Right, and then this is like the official like paperwork that he's filed of. All right, uh, I love you. It wasn't you. It was me. You know what? I, I've given you my all. It's just it's not gonna work. I thought we could reconcile, but I love you. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs> Arthur Motes, you asked me this question this morning when we were doing our uh, our show prep before uh, before we went on air at noon. I mean, first off, do you really believe he's retired? No, I do not. Mm. You made a good point. If he stops working out, then I'll believe it. Yeah. yeah. If he's still out, uh, we said it's, two, it's three type of retired people. You got the retired people that say, "All right, I'm done with every type of weightlifting," and you see how they look. They they typically. Mm-hmm. Change their body composition. They get a little bit bigger. You know? Then you got the kind that are like, all right, I'm retired. I'm going to work out. But I'm not working out nowhere near of, like, 
when I play. Mm-hmm. It's just to stay fit. Like Arthur Motes. You know what I mean? The smooth, smooth ride. Cool. I'm cool with the dad bod. You know what I'm saying? Just, just then, a little then, healthy, a little you know good I mean? for me workout. Yeah. Keep it's the like, muscles it's like, a little like, toned. You, you, you see the frame. You see it's there. You see it can get back if it needs to be. Don't look too but, close but, but to he's the frame. Not, but he's not trying to kill himself, though. You can see that. All right. And then you got the kind that were like T.O. and Ocho Cinco that mm. they retired, but they never really retired. They was out there working out like they getting ready for training camp. That's not retired. Yeah. That's that's I'm going to say this publicly, but if you call me, I'm ready to go. But somebody call me. Somebody yeah. please call me. I, I'm not in that class at all. But we're going to find out because A.B., you know, he's a, show, a social media guy. He will post the workout. So we're going to see if I see him out there running around with that helmet on. You know that the it's like the Raiders one with no Raiders logo that he always wears now. With the He has like the Raiders helmet. But Raider, it's not a Raiders yeah, helmet. Yeah, it's not a with a Raiders jersey and Steeler Steelers pants. pants. <laughs> it, yeah. So if I see that out there on IG anytime this week or next week, he's not retired. All right. <laughs> Especially if the helmet's on because we know there's yeah. beef with helmets. Oh, I yeah, mean. yeah. I mean, you thought it was bad before. Wait, whew. <laughs> I can only imagine they're like, hey, man, you got to put this visor on your mouth on top of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Are the most, you asked me an interesting question before we went on air. Is Antonio Brown a Hall of Famer? Oh, Lord. Had some time to think about it now. You did? Um, say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. Say it. I don't think he's going to get it, no. I, no, no, no. I ain't asked. Did you think he was going to well, get in Well, that's the question, right? Is he is a Hall of Famer? Is he going to be a Hall of Famer? No, he's not going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Fame talent. He's certainly a Hall of Fame talent. He certainly had a Hall of Fame career through nine years, but you and I both know. Was it nine years, eight Pro Bowls, yeah. four first-team All-Pros? I know. I know. But unfortunately, you and I know. That it's not just your talent, it's not just your skill, it's not just your merit that gets you into the Hall of Fame. How you figure? You gotta be likable. No, you don't. You gotta have those. T.O. got in. T.O. didn't even even go to the uh, induction. He said, I'm gonna hold mine at Tennessee Chattanooga. Come through, pull up. I mean, I have been there. It's a pretty nice campus. I mean, hey, that boy said, I'm doing my own thing. I, got, I always got love for Tennessee. That's why I got my Buck Buchanan Award, man. It flew Ooh, me on down. Yeah, they? I felt fancy. Ooh. I had never been to Tennessee before. I was walking in like a Ooh. city boy. Yeah, you see me, baby. This is the most, baby. I ain't from right here. <laughs> I'm from the 757. I'm from seven. the 75. We do things a little different, play. Oh, you don't have you don't have a beach around here? Too bad. Wait, you guys can't just walk to the beach? Oh, that's so sad. Oh, oh okay. Never where I grew up. Well, either way, give me the trophy. I'll holler on the way back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I uh, I've got I've got family in Tennessee, so I've got family that have gone to the University of Tennessee. I've got cousins that have gone to Chattanooga. Nice nice campus, nice area, nice tan there, Chattanooga. Yeah, I just I, let me say this: if he never comes back to the NFL, mm-hmm. I I don't think so. If he comes back to the NFL and has another good season or two and does that whole kind of you know the image repair thing, whatever. I think he could certainly get in. His numbers certainly indicate that he could get so in. So to you, it's more image and likability than actual productivity and stats. Unfortunately, you know, like I said, I wish it was not this way. But in the NFL, in Major League Baseball, I think certainly those two leagues, your character, your they, perception. They definitely have a morality, a morality yes, clause yes, right the, now. The perception of your character <laughs> and your morality, again, better for worse, you can agree, disagree, plays into that um so i don't know maybe you're right maybe like a, a to or a moss he does or actually randy moss was first ballot wasn't first he? Ballot, yeah. yeah maybe but you know maybe like a to they make him wait I, I don't know so man you think if he had good personality he'd be a first ballot if he uh was julio jones 
You know? Quiet teammate. No so problem. Julio's first ballot, too? Oh, I think Julio's first ballot, yeah. I, I wonder whose numbers are better between the two. ABs, ABs right? Yeah, yeah that's what certainly. I Listen, hey, we've had this conversation before. I think Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver of his generation. Absolutely. That's not what I'm arguing here. I just I know how these Hall of Fame selection processes work, and I this is true. I I I don't see them. Uh, who's going to be the person? Because you know, someone has to get up in front of the room and state the case for that person. Kabali. Who's it going to be? Yeah, Kabali. Kabali is representing him, man. <laughs> or Ed Bouchette, who he called a racist. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Ed Bouchette's going to get up there. And say- <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I totally forgot. Yeah, it is Ed. Oh, no. That's not going to work if it's Ed. No, it's a conflict of interest. You call me a racist. I'm not representing you. It's that simple, man. I mean, Wes, think about that, Wes. You call me a racist, but I'm supposed to go to bat for you and, and get you in the hole? Man, I'm going in there like, he does not deserve it. He sucks. Don't you vote him in. Like, He's like, the worst ever. <laughs> It'd be like if uh, <laughs> what he did call him a racist. Oh, if Arthur Mutz called me a racist and then was like, "Oh wow," was like, "Hey, I, I, I'm getting this award. I want you to do my induction oh, speech." Wow. <laughs> I totally forgot he called yeah. Adam. Yeah, that was when he was going. He was on his little thing. Yeah, yeah. and Mutz, you know how I'll, I'll never forget oh, that because man. that was my first Steelers training camp. And I was Ooh, on the, I was yeah. on the sideline, probably only like 20, 30 yards away from Ed yeah. when that all happened. He did call him a race. I totally <laughs> forgot that. Wow. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. So, so who who's next on the list to speak? Uh, what, someone from the Raiders gonna go uh, talk about it? Uh, you know, uh, it's gonna be Tom Brady. I mean, that one uh, game that they played together, you know, just just changed his life. <laughs> I would say, man, who would give the speech? I mean, who would? Speak on his behalf. It, it would have to be somebody from Pittsburgh. So it would have to be Ed Bouchette yeah. or it would have to be Kabali or it would have to be Dale Lolly. I don't think Labs qualifies because I don't think it can be team media. Correct, yeah, I think it, it has to be yeah, – it can't be associated with so team media. Dale, I mean, Dale, didn't Dale speak for uh, – for He did for Troy, for Troy and for Fanica last year. Yeah. So fifty. Dale's batting 50%. Yeah. We'll give it to him. He didn't call him a racist, did he? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> and, he, and that wasn't when he was going to break his jaw, right? Was, was yeah, that I don't think so. It, it wasn't yeah. there, right? I just got just, got to double check across reference these things, man. You never know. We'll have to, we'll have to get Kabali up there so he can talk about the, ex, oh, the, the expertitalism. <laughs> He's the exceptionalism. He's extraordinary. Man, I miss A.B., man. Oh, if I now call me Ronald Ocean. What? Huh? So maybe what? Ronald maybe Ronald Ocean gets into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> we'll see. Oh man, I miss that guy. Ronald Ocean, I aka Mr. Big Chest. Y'all gotta call me Ronald. Wow. What say you? Yes or no? You didn't give me my. You didn't give me your answer. Um. I mean, his numbers are there. I know people will make the case that well, Hans should be in. Hans not in, but you gotta remember, Hans played 15 years, and even with that. AB, what, at nine years, he's barely off the mark in terms of Steelers numbers all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the fact that we talked about the differences of uh, Hans Ward, where he was never viewed as the number one receiver in the NFL, AB had a legit four year to six year run where he was consensus That's the number hardest one. thing for me to say no. Is because when yeah. you have a run for like, like he we've was talking about it this. was consensus. It wasn't a debate. It was like no, that's the number one receiver in the NFL. If you have a run of three, four, five, six years yeah. at whatever sport you play in your league where you are considered the best, Hands I think down. that's enough for a Hall of Fame. Again, yeah. it's got to be 
at least three seasons, more like four, five, six. I mean, let's be real. He had he, that. Between, so four years, definitely, he was in one receiver. But I'll even say six because I felt he had two years where he was in the conversation and it was debatable. Excuse me, between, okay, is it him? Is it Julio? Is it Could, could right. it be a Hopkins? Um, you know, I think that was that whole situation with that. But I think a, a real test or a real barometer for his Hall of Fame chances, and this is obviously putting the uh, the off-field transgressions aside and the likability aside, is what happens with Calvin Johnson. Because Calvin Johnson was a guy who lit the league up. Remember, he retired early as well. He didn't, he didn't play – you know, the super long He was less career. than A.B., right? Yeah, I want to say he had six or seven years, yeah. but we knew through his six or seven, Whew. he was legit the best receiver in the NFL. So, depending on how he gets in, if he's first ballot or not, and things on mm-hmm. that nature, I think that's going to tell us a lot in terms of A.B. and his ability to get in, because from a number standpoint, yeah, I mean, Calvin played with nine, yeah, nine seasons. Did he play nine seasons? He played nine seasons. Oh, wow. I would have guessed like seven. Okay. But you remember, I, I forgot what year is where he did have some injuries and stuff going yeah, on with him. So yeah. I think that played a role into that. But shoot, nine seasons, six time Pro Bowler, three time All Pro. And I mean, if you compare AB's numbers, mm. yeah. Mm. Yeah. AB's definitely, yeah. definitely the more decorated now. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Megatron because he is, I think, is this his first year of eligibility this upcoming season? Um, let me check real quick. So it's seven see. years, right? So he retired in, in 15. F- uh, so he's still got one more. Yeah. No, it's only five years. It's only NFL. five years. Yeah, that's five right. Years. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yep. So he is up. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, because he's a part of the class of Peyton Manning. Correct. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Calvin and, yeah. and maybe how that relates to Yeah, AB. but literally, let's see. Uh, Total yards in their career, Calvin is at 11,619. AB's at 11,263. Touchdowns, Calvin Johnson, 83. AB, 75. Mm. Total receptions for Calvin, 731. AB, 841. So AB had more receptions, but Calvin had more yards, more touchdowns. Um, total games played, AB has 131 games, Calvin at 135. Okay. Yeah. Pretty close. Pretty, I mean, they're pretty, pretty much spot close. on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that all I plays out. I mean, think out. about this, man. <laughs> Calvin's last year, 16 games. He had 1,200 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, bro. Whew. 88 receptions, and he walked away. He literally had, bro, before he retired, he had one, two, three, four, five, six thousand 6,000-yard seasons. He had a 1,900-yard season in there as well, man. 1,600-yard season, then he went for 1,900 the following year. AB has a 1600 and he has an 1800. He went back to back in that regard. It's funny the year he had 1800 didn't lead the league in receptions, whereas Calvin led the league both years with 1600 and 1900. Okay. <laughs> you talking about two dudes that were cooking? Yeah. <laughs> no Ooh, doubt. but but you know we got to look at this up. Uh oh. AB had 15 fumbles. Calvin Johnson had 14. Just throwing it out there, bro. <laughs> Moats is the official yeah. fumble. Yeah. The official fumble counter. Ball security of Steelers Nation Radio. Ball security. All right. Ball security. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We got I mean, some tweets. spot on, though, bro. That's I know. It is crazy how similar on paper on. they look. Uh, yeah, but, but – They look AB, much different in real life. On yeah. paper, they look very similar. But A.B., seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, whereas Calvin, six-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro. Okay. Man. Similarities. We got some tweets here about A.B., about Heinz Ward, about the Hall of Fame. Get them in. At West Euler, at the body, 52. The body. 
Brady. We're a little overdue for a break here. We will wrap up the first hour of the show on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the first hour of the program here on a Tuesday, all the way live in western Pennsylvania. Here in the heart of Steelers country, Wesley Euler, Arthur Motes. Uh, don't forget, you can get the podcast if you are, uh, you know, just tuning in. If maybe you missed some of the first hour of the show, if you can only listen to certain parts because of work or whatever you got going on. No reason to fret. Podcast is available on demand, commercial free every day. It's like Netflix, except you ain't got to pay. And we look better. And we look way better. Steelers Blitz, that's Blitz with a Z wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, one more notable NFL retirement, Arthur Motes, that I wanted to get your opinion on. Wesley Euler. Well, yeah, but I mean, I gave up that dream a long time ago, but thanks Aww. for finally recognizing me. Well, you know, I just wanted to celebrate you today, man. <laughs> Michael Bennett retired from the NFL as well after Beast. 11, got 11 piece, man. seasons. Yep, Super Bowl title, three-time mm-hmm. Pro Bowl, of course, part of that legion of b- 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 Boom, Seattle Seahawks defense. Uh, also part of that Seattle team that just refused to hand the ball off to Marshawn Lynch no, on no, the goal not line that team. the following year. Not that team, that coach. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's true. 11 seasons, 359 tackles, 69 and a half sacks. And, and he wears the NFL's most smallest shoulder pads. <laughs> that he does. Uh, 13 forced fumbles as well. I think for him too, Arthur Motes, right? Like, and you could tell me if I'm wrong. Michael Bennett isn't a Hall of Famer, but he's another one of those. He's Hall of Very Good. Yeah, highly respected guy, man. I, I was a big fan of him, man. With him and uh, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name that was his running mate out there uh, in Seattle. Yes. Oh my goodness. Uh, he came from Detroit. He yeah. was he was with the Lions initially. Yep. Yep. He's going driving nuts. But those two dudes, man, I was big. Oh, Cliff Averill. There Cliff we go. Cliff Averill, yeah. Because in my mind, I was like my Haitian sensation because, yeah, obviously he's Haitian. That's my dog. Yep. Yeah, but, man, I, I was a big fan of their game, man. And, well, Michael, man, his game was so different. It, it was more Aaron Donald minus the strength. <laughs> like, in terms of just the quick first step, the ability to just get in the backfield, wreck havoc, that's what Michael Bennett did his whole career with these smaller shoulder pads ever. He's, <laughs> he's not trying to take on nobody head up, but he's going to swim you, backdoor you, and just run stuff down, man. He, he was a dog. I loved his game, man. Dude, that I – mean, I guess technically, right, the Legion of Boom was just the secondary. Yes, correct. But, dude, that defense, some of the names. They were real. Uh, <laughs> It's insane. I mean, real, real. Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Byron Maxwell, mm, Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, no, Michael Bennett. Don't leave with the locked out one. Don't, uh, don't do that. 
Brandon uh, Browner. Brandon Browner. Yeah, let's yeah, say, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, I know he ain't the best off the field, but on the field, you're he right. was a dog. You're Come right. on now. Cliff Averill. We always forget Frank Clark was on that team. Exactly. Think about this. They had Frank and Bruce Irvin as backup ro- guys. rotating in. Guys. They were rotating in. They weren't the guys. Think about that. Frank is a $50 million edge rusher right now, man. <laughs> Irvin and got paid. <laughs> oh. Right. Frank Clark's second round pick. Mm-hmm. I tell you what. Uh, Seattle, they, they did some good stuff outside of the first round. If they could just nail their first round picks, hey, ter- terrible first round picks. They'd be in a good position. But yeah, that dude, some of the names. I mean, that's just insane. Like, I totally forgot Frank Clark was part of those. Yes, guys. bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had him and Bruce Surf and just rotate. Frank and Bruce were rotating. They they were the backups, man. Oh, they were the backups. Oh, oh. That's crazy. That's crazy. All right, let's get our uh, let's take a short do a shorter segment here. Get our clock back on schedule it's as your we head fault, into man. hour you, two. You've been up here talking too much, man. Listen, I wasn't putting a blame game on anybody. I was Sometimes blaming you. I was like to blame people. <sighs> let's play the blame game. I hate you. Julio or Calvin Johnson? I mean, uh, A.V. or Calvin Johnson? Who are you rolling with? Calvin Johnson, I think. It's. Uh-oh. A.B. is like Allen Iverson. Okay, fair enough. Calvin Johnson's like LeBron J. I mean, you know, <sighs> Calvin yeah. Johnson is like Mike Tyson. A.B.'s like Floyd Mayweather. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I I, I got I got mad respect for the Allen Iversons, the pound for pound guys out there. But pound for pound, yeah, AB, yeah. But you could give me Shaquille O'Neal who could just dunk Without on everybody. <laughs> Calvin, like I said, man, Calvin is a guy you just some some planet far far away yep. in some other galaxy, some other realm. They were just creating this life form, the space like, jam character. You know what? Let, let's make them six five. Let's make them run four three. <laughs> let's make them have you know seven two catch radius. Yeah. 40-inch vertical. Oh, you know what? They play this sport called football on that planet. Put him on Earth. Let's see what he does. That's what Calvin Johnson is, whereas A.B. is your your, your, tax, your tactician, your Mr. Fundamental, the guy that's going to just work crazy hard. A.B. is the guy that you look and say, I could do that because he looks like me. I could work hard to be that. Calvin is the guy you're like, yeah, I could work as hard as I want to. I will never be able to do that. Not a chance. Correct. Correct, and but I'm with you though, man. I probably I take Calvin too, man. Yeah, but it's 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 a testament I mean, to the 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 you know yeah. the the less physically gifted guys. If you will, I, I will say in those this, conversations, though, out of all the receivers that are in that generation, Calvin's the only one I'm taking over AB. I agree. I'm taking AB over Julio Hop. I've said for Larry, those nine years, he was the most consistently yeah. great wide receiver for nine straight years that we've seen since Jerry Rice. I mean, yeah. it was every week. Absolutely. You know what? Too somebody posted not to. Just rehash old wounds here. Not to, you know, get sad on a Tuesday afternoon. But. On a Tuesday. Dude, somebody posted like a, a two-minute cut-up highlight video of his last game with the Steelers, which was that game down in the Super Superdome against the Saints. Mm, yeah, he was cooking. Bro, he was the best NFL player in the world that day. Yeah, he was cooking. Go watch his highlight tape of his last game. And he's doing it against the Saints defense. I mean, they had yeah. Lattimore on him. Like, they are blanketing him. Oh, so good. So good. Why? Why, 84? Why you do this to me, man? Why you do this to me, man? 60 minutes in the books. Another 60 to go. Get those tweets in. At Wes Sealer at the body 52. The body. One hour down, the other hour on the other side. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio.
Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Electric? Well, that's good. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, hour number two here inside the aforementioned Electric Factory. Rolling along on a Tuesday afternoon, hour number two here on the Stellar's Blitz and Motsy. To start off hour number two here, I, uh, interesting conversation. Um, Move the Sticks podcast. That is uh, uh, Bucky Brooks's podcast. Uh, Bucky Brooks, obviously, of NFL.com and of the NFL Network. He was discussing the top five defensive quartets in the National Football League, all right? Um, and so essentially just if you pick the four best players from every every uh, NFL team, right, who's got the best core? Who's got the best core four, if you will, across the National Football League? He ranked his top five, Arthur Motes. And at number one on the list, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I can totally see it, without a doubt. But what's surprising about me is he lists Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, TJ Watt, obviously. He goes Devin Bush and Bud Dupree. Mm. So even without Cam Hayward factoring in, Bucky Brooks still says the Steelers have the most talented, if you pick a quartet of players, top uh, in the NFL with, again, Minka and then the three linebackers, Bush, Watt, and Dupree. I mean, I, I love them being the number one. I could totally see yeah. it when you talk about a quartet. Um, I personally probably would have had Cam over Bud. I think so, too. Then I you just, get a, a lineman, correct. the linebackers, the secondary. Well, and not even breaking down position by position because, let's be real, it was times if we would have talked Legion of Boom and their prime, we would have named four defensive backs. It would have been completely fine with doing that. But I guess for me, the reason why I would say Cam, Cam has definitely been the more productive player, the more consistent player, and the more dominant player at his position. You talk about a guy who has multiple Pro Bowls and all pros, yeah. Bud doesn't have any of that. Now, I think the difference is Bud plays obviously a more glamorous position. Sure. So the attention that goes to him coming off the edge getting sacks are far more highlight real worthy versus when Cam is destroying a, a guard or a center. Right, right. It's not. I mean, one of the best plays that we saw last year was when Cam just absolutely destroyed Quentin Nelson, I a knew, first team All Pro. That was coming. Yep. But let's be real, nobody even talks about that play like that. And ultimately, that was the play that put uh, Jacoby Brissett out the game. And that was like I said, versus who we personally feel is the best guard in the game right now. But because it wasn't as glamorous as a guy blowing by somebody on the edge, you're doing a speed rush or a spin move or things like that, it's not talked about in the same vein. So I think that's why ultimately Bud is on this list versus a Cam Hayward when we know for a fact Cam, I mean, position for position, player for player, productivity for productivity, Cam is not even close right now in terms of him being the better player between the two. Yeah, I concur with you there. Uh, and Bucky Brooks did say, actually, uh, I had a very difficult time deciding between Dupree and Cam Hayward, who is as consistent as they come. I, mean, I gave the nod lie. to Dupree after his breakout season. I'm not going to lie. I could have even saw him putting Joe Hayden over there. Over, uh, but Joe Hayden's coming off a of Pro Bowl season as well. Good call by you, too. I'll tell you what, Arthur Motes, if he could stay healthy this year, or if he would have stayed healthy last year, we'd probably be talking about Tewitt on this list, too. <laughs> yeah, he's another one, without a doubt, man. Well, Steelers got some studs. They are heavyweight contenders you know, th- on the, the defensive unique, side of the ball, baby. I think that's the unique debate right now, though, between Tewitt and Bud. At this point in their career, who do you view as the better player? Hmm. I mean, because I think Bud has had the 
complete season yes. that we've finally the more seen. Availability. Right. Whereas with Tuit, when he's been healthy and available, he's flashed. But we haven't seen him put the, put it together over a full sixteen game body of work. But like I said, this is the first year that we saw Bud put it together with a sixteen game body of work. But we do still feel based on potential alone that Tuit has the potential to be better than a Cam Hayward. Yeah. Has the potential to be an elite interior defender in this league. So Number two on the list, the San Francisco 49ers. Mm. Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner, and Richard Sherman, the four that they go with. Uh, I feel like Nick Bosa makes this list yeah. a lot better than what it really is. I agree. I'm not going to – I mean, Sherman was definitely crazy productive this year. We know it was a bounce-back year for him. And he let everybody know as well. He, he let sure everybody did. know. He, he he's, sure that, he's that guy. He's going to let you know. <laughs> he will let you know. <laughs> But this list is very underwhelming, man. Yeah, no, like, DeForest Buckner really kind of changes that outlook, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Nick Bose is carrying a lot of weight on that list. Number three, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson. I like that one for the Chicago Bears. That's See, a nice four right there. I probably would have the Bears above the, the Niners, I man. I think I would, too. I mean, we talk, we've talked a little Robert bit. Robert Quinn's a dog. He's so yeah. underrated, man. I know. So underrated. I know. He's and a guy that's consistent double-digit sacks. You put him on any team, any scheme, 3-4, three, 4-3, four, four, three, mm-hmm. he gets out the quarterbacks. He's the type of guy, he wakes up in the morning, before he brushes his teeth, he gets a sack, bro. <laughs> like, that's what he does. <laughs> Serious, man. No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I think that's one of the more, along with, you know, we've talked about this too, along with Calais Campbell, that's one of the more under-discussed mm-hmm. off-season additions. I think Robert Quinn that's will huge. look really nice in that Bears defense. That's huge. Yeah, Khalil Mack, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, that is a nice four there for the Bears. Kansas City Chiefs at number four. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Anthony Hitchens, and the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, those... I mean, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, yeah. Yeah, Tyron Matthew. Hitchens is okay. Yeah. That's a three horse. That's a three yeah. horse. Those are three three strong horses. Maybe uh, pulling along the the fourth horse there, <laughs> and then uh, we mentioned the Forrest Buckner. Uh, he makes the list too here with the Colts uh, at number five. <sighs> I know with a disrespect, these Buffalo Bills just the disrespect. I- I'm just asking myself. I'm looking at this this, this Colts, Colts one's team, right? good though, right? They, the no, they Buckner, are. Buckner, Justin Houston, Darius Leonard, Malik Hooker. I, but I it, like is, that. is Justin Houston still Justin Houston, or is it the name we're talking right now? It's probably the name we're talking more a little bit because more. when, when yeah. I think of the Bills, I'm like, all right. So for the Bills, we'd have Ed Oliver, we'd have Tre'Davious White, and then Tremaine, uh, Tremaine Edmonds. Edmonds, and you can go Micah Hyde or Jordan Poyer. I mean, they've been more productive than a Malik Hooker. Either one of them. That's a good call by you. I don't know how the Bills. I mean, Alex, either either I, one I of them. I don't know how the Bills aren't in it. Man, they're just getting disrespected all offseason, Motsi. I tell you what, how are you going to let this happen to your Buffalo Bills? Man, you know how it is, though, man. <laughs> <laughs> you never get the national attention. They, I mean, no, that's just that's yeah, how it, they are. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, right when you haven't had the the postseason success mm-hmm. for a, a long time. They're kind of maybe the opposite of the Cowboys in that regard, Correct. right? Yes. Like the Cowboys still get a lot of love just because of their national brand, even when they don't deserve it a lot mm-hmm. of times. The Bills don't get a lot of love even when they deserve it sometimes because of maybe the lack of some of that that national brand. But yeah, yeah, because I'm looking at. I mean, Micah Hyde has a Pro Bowl to his name already. I he got a Pro Bowl his first year in Buffalo. I think it was 2016 or 2017. Other than the Steelers and the Bears, I think I'd yeah. have the Bills third. Honestly, I really would. I'm, it's not even a joke. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> The disrespect, Arthur Motes. The disrespect. You know what? Let's stick. Because I'm even looking at the Chiefs. I'm like, I'm taking yeah. that Bills bunch over this Chiefs bunch. I mean, I Chris too. Jones is probably the one that stands out the most. But 
for Chris Jones, I'm, you could say Tredavious White in terms of them being alphas at their position or top two, three at their position right. from an NFL standpoint. Frank Clark versus Tremaine Edmonds. Both of them in terms of productivity are there. Both of them in terms of uh, Pro Bowls are there. Yeah, about that, man. Mm-hmm. You know what? Speaking of Chris Jones, let's do this on the other side here. Um, let's continue kind of with this defensive conversation, defensive lineman. Last week, right, we did the NFL executives, you know, the Jeremy Fowler uh, NFL execs and coaches, their top 10 edge rushers. Mm-hmm. Let's do top 10 interior defensive linemen Ooh. when we return. Does that sound like a plan to you? That sounds good. Let's do it. Let's All do right, it. All right, let's do it. Keep those tweets rolling in. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. Talking top interior defensive linemen in the National Football League on the other side. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, inside the Electric Factory. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Last week we looked at the Jeremy Fowler ESPN list, right? Jeremy Fowler, him formerly of this parish here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, now national with ESPN.com. He's got some uh, some gravitas Motsi. He's big time now. Yeah, he's big time, and he's got the connections to talk to uh, 50 league ex- league executives, coaches, and scouts, right? And uh, ranked, asked for the top 10 players at 11 different positions. We talked last week about the edge defenders. How about the interior guys this week? Arthur Motes and uh, Shocker, the number one on the list is Aaron Donald. I mean, I just can't believe it. Man, Aaron Donald for real? Aaron Donald, number one. I mean, Aaron Donald, really? (laughs) That's debatable. (laughs) Uh, He is the only guy on all of these lists, Arthur Motes, who did not have a lower ranking than first overall from anybody. All 50 50 of the coaches and executives and scouts who were asked to rank interior defensive linemen, all 50 of them had Aaron Donald number one. That's the only position that happened. That's pretty dope. I'm not surprised either. I mean... Not much to be needs to be said about Aaron Donald. He's still on the uh, the tw- he's still in his twenties. You know, uh, he's starting to get a little more seasoned, but he's still in his twenties. Uh, I mean, he's a dude that got the mega contract and still was like, Y'all yeah, underpaid. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You could God. you could argue he, he's for what the last three or four years been the best player in all of football, yes. not just defensive player. All of football. Uh, he is fantastic. And fortunately for me, I can't remember where he went to college. Number two on the list. <laughs> the guy that we talked about, Arthur Motes, Chris Jones of the Kansas City Chiefs, voted number two. Uh, his lowest ranking, his lowest voting ranking uh, by those fifty panel members was six. Uh, highest was number two here, obviously uh, coming off the Super Bowl, coming off uh, signing this big max value eighty five million dollar deal. Chris Jones finds himself ahead at number er, at number two, ahead of the guy that I probably would have had mm-hmm. at number two. He's number three, Fletch, Fletcher Cox of the Philadelphia Eagles. His lowest ranking was five. I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you would have Fletcher higher because we know how you feel about those Eagles. Mm-hmm. Well, you know how I feel about my, those Mississippi State Bulldogs, really. I mean, you know, Fletcher nah, Cox, nah, Dak Prescott, those are my guys, you know. Fletcher Cox, number three on the list. Like I said, uh, Chris Jones, his lowest ranking was six. Fletcher Cox's was five, but Jones still ahead 
of Fletcher uh, for the top three positioning. Number four, we just talked about him as well, too. DeForest Buckner, uh, formerly of the 49ers, now of the Indianapolis Colts. He checks in again at number four. His highest ranking was three. His lowest ranking was seven. Uh, He had a top seven vote on every single ballot, all 50 of those ballots. Number five, Bredrin of TJ Watt, JJ Watt. Why you forget about Derek? What, you can't have more than one brother? I mean, people no, have more than I'm one brother. I'm saying, man, if you're going to shout out one brother, you got to shout out the other brother. They well, the that's same true. Team. You know where that comes from is the JJ, the TJ. Nah, man. I mean, he should be nah. DJ Watt uh-uh. or something for uh-uh. Derek. Or, or maybe they should be Trent and the other one should be Justin. There you go. Yeah. I'm telling him you said that. <laughs> uh, 31 years old, but still a dynamic football player when he's healthy. JJ checks in at five. Number six, our guy, Cam Hayward. Killer Cam. Highest ranking was three. Uh, that's respect. Lowest ranking was nine. That's disrespect. Yeah, uh, everything Arthur Most touched on earlier when we were talking about Cam Hayward certainly applies. We both agree. One of the more underrated, uh, not just defenders in the National Football League, uh, uh, players, anybody in the NFL. Cam checks in at number six. Number seven, Eric Armstead of those San Francisco 49ers. His highest ranking was number two. His lowest ranking, number 11. Very indicative of his career thus far. Yes. Number eight, Akeem Hicks of the Chicago Bears. He is uh, now on the other side of 30. This is crazy. This is crazy. Somebody had him as high as number three. Wow. Yeah. He was also left off some of the ballots as well. Number nine, Grady Jarrett of the Falcons. I always forget about him. He's a nice player. Fourth Mm -hmm. was his highest ranking. He was on everybody's ballot, lowest being number 10th. Another guy who signed Signed, pardon me, an extension recently, uh, last offseason it was, and had a great year last year, still only 27 years old, could really be just uh, hitting his peak here. Grady Jarrett of the Falcons at number nine, and then number 10, Kenny Clark of the Green Bay Packers. Somebody had him ranked all the way at number two as well. He was, what? Yeah, his highest ranking, number two overall for Kenny Clark. Lowest ranking, he was left off the ballot of some. Am I missing something here? Only 24 years old, he's still young, but man. They had him uh, as high as two. Let's see him be a double-digit sack guy next year first, say, right? What? <laughs> uh, honorable mentions: Calais Campbell, Geno Atkins, a um, couple other guys here as well too. Uh, but Arthur Motes, what say you? Where you got beef on this list? What do you like about this list? What do you dislike? Um, I mean, you hit on it. I'm switching Chris Jones and Fletcher Cox. Fletcher is yeah. by far and away the more productive player, the more decorated player as well. They both got rings, so that doesn't hold any weight in terms <laughs> right. of this argument. Right. So when we're just talking about the age difference, we're talking three years, 26 versus 29. Yeah, I'm going Fletcher at two without a doubt. Um, I'm putting Cam over J.J. as well. J.J.'s missed mm. what? They say he's missed 32 games since 2016. I need availability. I need productivity along with that availability. And with Cam, I've gotten both. I understand when J.J. is healthy, he's extremely productive, but that's the issue. When healthy is no different than we talked about Brandon Roy when he played with the Portland uh, Trailblazers. Yeah. He, he had a chance to be a, a beast. I mean, one of the best in the league. Mm-hmm. Problem was he could not stay healthy. We saw that also with a guy named Greg Oden as well. I mean, the list goes on and on of crazy productive players that have had a run but at the same time have dealt with a plethora of injuries, and that has ultimately kept them off the field. And this isn't a one- or two-game thing we're talking about. He's had major injuries that make him miss very, very long periods of time, so that's why I would give Cam the nod over J.J. at the five spot. Um, Arms that I don't have an issue with. 
So you think the top four, even though we'd both switch Fletcher and Chris, Chris Jones, you think the top four is fair? I, I do. Okay. I mean, so you'd have Cam at five. Yeah, I'd have Cam at five. Okay. I think with uh, yeah, I think that's I think that's I mean, fair too. DeForest has been very productive. Let's be yes. real about it. He's only twenty six years <laughs> old. He's another guy who could you know again just be really kind of hitting his stride now. Absolutely. So that's how I look at that. Um, I hate to do this. I'm taking Kenny Clark off the list. <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. He's definitely off. <laughs> Calais is on. I might move Grady Jarrett up a couple spots, honestly, from nine. I'll probably flip him and Akeem. Akeem, yeah. Actually, no, no, no. I, w- I would put Grady ahead of Armstead. Armstead, mm-hmm. he, he had the one year. You know how yeah. that goes, man. Yeah. One year in the Super Bowl appearance, people are, are super high on those guys. I'm not. I need consistency, so. For me, man, I'll bump up Grady two spots, drop Akeem. No, actually, I'll keep Akeem at eight, but uh, Eric Armstead is going to be at nine. Okay. Yeah. And actually, it- I might have Eric Armstead at 10, Calais at nine. Ooh, okay. Even though it hurts me not having Geno on his list because I'm a big I was Geno going to say, if you're bumping Kenny Clark out of your top ten, are you adding Geno Atkins or you adding Calais Campbell? No, no, no. So, remember, I added Calais. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah, I added Calais. The only way that I would add Geno is if I took off uh, – Armstead, but the thing is, Armstead's younger. Yeah. I feel like he's coming into his own, similar to what we see with Bud right, right. now. Better whereas, situation right, around Whereas him. Gino, Gino is definitely, I think he's plateaued already. And now, it's, I mean, he's still going to be a consistent guy. He can get out to the quarterback and things like that. But his overall impact won't be felt the same going forward. Yeah, I'm with you, Arthur Motes. Uh, I think we got the same top five. I... I agree with everything now, you just I, said. I need there. to know how are they classified? Normally, you and I got beef when we do these well, lists. This is my I don't thing. think we have any beef with each other this time. So this doesn't include because this is throwing me off. A guy like Cameron Jordan. No, they included they include him, him as, as, as he was in the top ten for here, edge right? guys. Yeah, even though even I though, agree with you, I think he's, he's more, more of an interior, interior guy. Correct. Like I would rather him be on this list than on the edge guy list, personally. Yeah, that's a good call by you. And I wonder here as I pull up because he's similar list to how quick. Calais Campbell moves all up uh, uh, around the line of scrimmage and stuff like that. Right. We see it with JJ Watt as well. Right. Um, yes, he was. Where is he? Cam Jordan was number nine yeah, on the edge, edge rusher. Because see, as an interior rusher, interior D lineman, he would be a lot higher. Oh yeah. <laughs> on this list, but yeah. I view him in that vein, not as a, a edge guy. What about? Do you view Yannick Ngakwe as a traditional edge guy? I think I do. Yeah. Jadavian Clowney's maybe the other one, too. Yeah. He, like, he lines up everywhere, too. <sighs> Seattle had him lining up at the interior a lot yeah. last year. Well, because that's what they did in, in Houston. Because Towards you get the, the better matchups. Yeah. I mean, because <clears throat> we used to always get on JJ, like when we watch him on tape, and we say how the Texans, uh, I think it was Romeo Cornell at the time, does a great job of just isolating whoever the weak link of the on the offensive line is. That's where JJ is going to play predominantly. Yes. So if you yes. have a bad center, he's going to line up at nose. If you have a bad guard, he's lining up over the guard. If you have a bad tackle, he's lining up over the tackle. And they started to do that with uh, with Clowney later on. And we would always get mad, like, "Dang, man, I wish I could just line up over the over the weak link all the time." But because of how productive <laughs> he was, you could get away with that because he was still going to just wreck absolute havoc. You couldn't run away from him in any way, shape, or form in that regard. But yeah, I view Clowney in that same vein, though. Like that's, I mean, nowhere near as productive, but those are still what I consider like interior guys. But I think the difference yeah. to why Clowney is still going to be viewed as an edge guy is because he, if you had to lock him down in a position, you would lock him down as an outside yes, linebacker. I agree with that. 
I agree with that. Like, I wouldn't even have him as a 4-3 DN. I'd have him as a 3-4, like, stand-up guy coming off the edge. It's a good call. It's a good call. Is there any, maybe any young guys that are not on this list that we haven't talked about that you think in the next year or two could emerge on this list? Like, maybe a... Uh, a Vita Vai, Vita Vay, maybe a, a Jonathan Allen. Any 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 young guys that you're thinking, hmm, young interior defensive lineman. You know what, Wesley? I think this guy could be on that list in a couple years. I mean, if we're talking about a couple years from projection. Obviously, those guys you just named, obviously, I could say Ed Oliver. Ooh, He's yeah. another guy like that. Mm-hmm. I just don't think right now they've done enough to even be in this conversation. Yeah. But, I mean, two, three years from now, though, who knows – the type of leaps that they can take and the type of growth that they can have. I think that's kind of how we look. Also, a guy like Tuit, I mean, we know he's talented enough to be up here with any of these guys, but it's more so the availability and the health standpoint. Yeah, that's a great yeah. call, too. The only reason J.J. is up here is because of what he's been able to accomplish before being injured. Whereas with Tuit, Tuit hasn't had that high-level success of winning multiple Defense Player of the Year awards. It's just the potential of there, but he hasn't done it just yet. So I think that's why he's not even mentioned up here because of that whole uh, that whole situation like that. The five honorable mentions again were Calais Campbell, Geno Atkins. I, I always I always butcher his Tell last me, name. Did they even have Dunlap as an edge guy? No, he wasn't e- and anywhere. Even though now they moved him as an interior D lineman, wouldn't he be honorable mention at least? I would think so. You know who yeah. I was thinking too wasn't either honorable mention for inside or outside was uh, uh, Jarrell Casey. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean. He, Again, I, I don't know if I'd have him in my top 10, but if I'm going 15 a, yeah. deep, he'd he's certainly be. guy. I'm taking Jarrell over Quan Short. Yeah. Probably over Michael Pierce, too. Yeah. David Onyamata. That's such a great last name. Mm. That's such a great Canadian, Nigerian last name. It's yeah. all fun and games, so you got to spell it in school. It's all fun and games. Yeah, it's all fun and games, so you're the visiting broadcaster, and you've right. got to say it like 12 times in a game. Yeah, Casey's an interesting an interesting uh, absence from yeah I I don't know how they do these lists you know like I said I got to talk to Jeremy Fowler about some right, of these lists. Let's not think who else is a guy that probably could have got mentioned up here that isn't. I mean it would all be you know like I, like the Jonathan at like the the really young. Yeah. I mean you know I really believe in Derek Brown but like you know I talk about a rookie a guy right. who hasn't even taken a snap yet on a list like this. Yeah. Huh. Trying to think across the division, most of the guys are edge guys, mm-hmm. right? Because um, then I thought about uh, Dexter Lawrence, but he hasn't done enough yet. No. Yeah, what about a Javon Hargrave, baby? No, seriously. He's I mean, a guy he, could, could, be he could be an honorable mention, mention yeah. certainly. Based off his productivity and the fact that you look at his sample size mm-hmm. in terms of productivity versus amount of plays. I and mean, you look at who he's going to get the lineup yeah. next to this season. Ooh, it could be a big yeah. year for Jay Wobble. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone else, though. I think we touched them all, Motsi. I think we got them. You know what that means? No. It means we got to get to our last break here Uh-oh. on the program today. No. And that also means it's our last chance, last oasis <gasps> for our loyal listeners <gasps> to get those tweets in. <laughs> so one more segment to go, knuckleheads. You know what that means. Uh, we will get to your tweets on the other side. we got a few here. Richard, Thrash, TC, all chiming in so far uh last chance or forever hold your peace for the next 22 hours until tomorrow get those tweets in at wesley euler at the body 52 the body questions comments concerns reactions we'll get to them all on the other side as we wrap up the show you are listening to steelers blitz on snr
Remotes, Wesley Euler, Stellar's Blitz here on SNR. Had some fun today talking a little interior defensive lineman, talking all kinds of stuff, Motsy. And now, as we always do, we wrap with the tweets, of course, because we got to give the people what they want. Come on, baby, this is what we do. <laughs> TC here uh, chimed in on some of the Antonio Brown, uh, Calvin Johnson, Heinz Ward discussions that we were having earlier. TC says, uh, two-part tweet here, um, Calvin Johnson is a better and more game-changing wide receiver than Antonio Brown. Calvin had Stafford throwing him the ball. Antonio Brown has a first ballot Hall of Famer throwing to him. Yeah, that's true, but I will say, Matthew Stafford is no schlub. Wait a minute now. Don't you speak on Matthew Stafford in the same vein as Big Ben. Don't no, I'm try not. that. I'm no, not. No, but but I'm you trying to give us the caveat? Uh, Wait a minute. I'm now. not trying to put Matthew Stafford in the same vein as um, Ryan Finley either. That's all I'm saying. We just saying that Matthew Stafford is on a total different level than a Ben Roethlisberger. You're right, but I'm just saying that level is not bad. It's not nowhere near the same. You're though. right. You're well, right. We're talking but about again, Ben. Ben is in an 8, 9, 10 category where Stafford is what, 5, 6, 7? With Finley being like 1, 2, 3. You're talking like career-wise? Yeah. I Ben Ben is like yeah. a nine Ben's like a nine career wise. Absolutely. Stafford, I'd say, is probably like a six and a half, seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big difference. It is a big difference. That's a You're big, right. Big I just difference. wanted to make again, like I was just saying, <laughs> it's not um You was about to put your cape on for Stafford. I'm like, wait a minute now, player. Wait, hold, hold on, on now. No, now I'm not putting on hey, a cape hey, for hey. Stafford. I'm just saying I would not knock Calvin Johnson for having Matthew Stafford as his quarterback. That's what I'm saying. I would as if we're comparing him to A B, I would. Sure. What if? What I, about I, like in a conversation about like a Julio Jones and a Matt Ryan? Do you think there's that much of a difference there? No, I think they're very similar there. But then I still knock the Lions' offense and their coaching well, staff now compared that's, to Julio. See, okay, that's where I would go. For like if I'm if I'm giving Calvin Johnson credit, mm-hmm. I would say more so for being within that organization, not so much as quarterback. See, I look at it both ways. I look at organization and quarterback. We talked about how Julio having Matt Ryan versus if Julio had Big Ben. Or if Julio had Tom Brady. I think that's why I knocked Stafford in that regard. Because when we're comparing these elite receivers, these elite talents, we also got to look at who's throwing the ball. I mean, it's no different with the A.J. Green argument where you're like, you had Andy Dalton throwing you the ball. We all have seen the plays of Matthew Stafford throwing the ball up. It's four guys around him. It wasn't no great pass. It's just Megatron doing Megatron things. We've seen Julio do similar things. That's the only thing that I'm saying in terms of why I do knock those guys, the the quarterbacks, because, I mean, they were never, ever going to be in the same conversation of a Brady, of a Manning, of a Big Ben. And that's, that's the whole thought process with it, man. So, that that yeah. I'm not trying to wear a cape for 
You Matthew are. Stafford. You, you was over here about to get your feelings behind Matthew I mean, Stafford. Talk, I'm like, wait, wait, wait a minute now. We're talking like uh, is Sta- Stafford is the Hans Ward of, of who quarterbacks. Was, who was what's his name uh, before uh, Deshaun Watson got to the Texans? Who was the dude that used to like take them to the playoffs every year with a nine and seven record? Oh, uh, Carr. Was it Carr? No, 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 no. no it wasn't Carr. Oh man. Oh, this, is, this is gonna bother me. Oh man. Oh, I don't. I don't, I don't remember. Right I, now. Matt. Matt. Something wasn't it? Shop. Matt Shaw was it Matt Shaw? It was a shop because he's backing up in uh, Atlanta now. Yeah, it was Matt Shaw. Yeah, it was, it was Matt, Matt Shaw. Yeah, like, yeah, that's all. Like Stafford isn't Matt Shaw. That, yeah, that's, but we're not saying that. Know, but but we are saying if AB has Ben Roethlisberger as his quarterback, oh, yeah. it is a, a legit oh, argument yeah. to say that Calvin hey, Johnson would have put some crazy numbers with Ben. <laughs> yeah, for that's sure. a legit argument. AB uh, TC continues. AB has first ball. Uh, or wait, I said that already. First ballot Hall of Famer throwing the ball to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, his stats are really bad without Ben. Averaged like four catches and forty yards <laughs> in his games without Ben. But TC continues. Heinz Ward has the numbers and didn't do anything idiotic, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. He played his prime years on a run first team prior to the passing era. Very true. Look at Lofton, Reed, some of those stats. TC says, I think Heinz Ward deserves to be in before Antonio Brown. No, I mean, that's a very valid argument because the generations are drastically different. And I think that's the reason why you see such a log jam at receiver getting to the Hall of Fame now, because you have to adjust and account for the errors. I mean, it's no different when you look at some of these quarterback numbers. We talked about how Dan Marino and all these other guys who got in the Hall of Fame from their generation – and then you compare them to the guys now. I mean, on paper, their numbers are average to the guys compared now. I mean, if you don't pass 4,000 yards, you're not even considered elite. And back then, that was like a big deal. So that's kind of, you know, I definitely can see that argument. I just don't I don't know how the Hall of Fame is going to think in terms of when they make those sure. type of decisions, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, man, Hines definitely. The way that they they evaluate wide receivers and who gets into the Hall of Fame over the next five years is going to be really interesting. Yes. Because it has completely changed uh, rather rapidly, if you will. Uh, (laughs) Thrash says here, this might sound like a conspiracy theory. Uh Uh-oh, this is where we need the music, the conspiracy theory music. Uh, But he said, what if Ben suffered through elbow stuff for so long because of Antonio Brown and the production they had? And then when a certain number 11 was dropping passes last year, he decided it was time to get his elbow taken care of. <laughs> that is a heck of a conspiracy theory, wow. theory there, Thrash. <laughs> Mind creep. They said he was point shaving. Y'all got to stop. Hold on, Doug. Come on, man. Come on, man. Oh, man. And this one, Motsi, I'll be uh, interested to see how you react to this. Last tweet we got here, this one from Richard. You make me nervous when you start giving me these uh, precursors like this. He says, uh, I'm sorry, but Cam should be number one. Aaron Donald should be number two in regards to the interior defensive lineman. I expected the list to be like this, however, because my Steelers always get disrespected. Richard, man, I love Cam Hayward. He should be in the top five. (laughs) Just all you got to know is that I'm saying the pit guy is the hands-down number one selection. That's all the people need to know is that I'm saying the pit guy is the hands-down number one guy. <sighs> Motsi, I know you're, gonna, you're about to call Richard a homer, aren't you? You're about to call Richard a homer. <laughs> Listen, man, I ain't got nothing but love for Richard. You know Cam is my guy. Like, 
that's my guy guy great 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 man great teammate great friend man but yeah Aaron it's, Donald. it's hard for me to even debate that you know Donald, Aaron Donald. I, I'm like it's Aaron Donald and then everyone else it's not even it's not even like 1A 1B yeah. it's like Aaron you can blink two and then start at three <laughs> like <laughs> And that's like I said, with the utmost respect to Cam and with everybody else. Oh, I mean, we talked about some of the names on that list. They are some amazing players with amazing careers. But my biggest issue in terms of if I would put Cam at number one, you can make an argument that Geno Atkins has had the far and away better career than Cam Hayward, both statistically and from accolade standpoint. So that's my only issue with trying to say that Cam is the number one guy on that list. Just because, like I said, it's just other people that you can debate about it. I mean, you can go off with the J.J. White and what he's been able to do as well. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. But honestly, man, yeah, Aaron Donald's number one. What's the highest in good conscience on that list that you could argue Cam Hayward in your own mind? Highest position? Uh, I could argue at three, honestly. That's what I was thinking, too. Like, legit argument yeah. without feeling like a homer, without... Yeah. Having to, to lie to myself about something, I can do them at three. I think I think that's fair. That's what I was thinking too. And 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 I, hey, Richard, you are you're allowed to think what you think, baby. Yeah. I mean, you're allowed to love Cam, and he is certainly. I mean, you you talk about the disrespect there. Cam Hayward is left out of conversations like this across NFL circles, or you know, closer to number ten than number five mm-hmm. on a list in NFL circles. And I do completely agree with you there, Richard, that he Cam Hayward in these discussions is often undercredited, disrespected, doesn't get the the accolades, the the attention that he deserves. But there's a reason that Aaron Donald is unan- the only unanimous number one player well, well, on this well, you list. Know, well, well, just to put it in context, Cam's best year, I mean, what he had, what, I think it was, did he have 12 Would have been 2017, right? Let me, let me pull up his best year real quick. 2017, I believe, statistically, was yeah, statistically, his greatest Yeah, season. that was the year he had 12 sacks. That was his best year, right? 12 sacks. A ton of tackles. He was very productive. We talked about how Aaron Donald had probably his most down year since he's been in the NFL, and he still had 12 and a half sacks last year. That was a down year. (laughs) Yeah. We talked about Cam's best year was at 12 sacks. Best year. Just to put it in context. It was was a very down year for Aaron Donald. Arthur Motes, you know as good as anyone. I don't like to give any credit to anybody who attended that university. I mean, my man. Located in the Oakland district of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Tom, he has a 20 sacks, a 20 and a half sack season. As from, an interior, as an interior Like, line. just just think about that. Was that was two years ago, right? That was 18. 18. Yeah. yeah. That's. Oh, see, I don't he's like been the... in the league, what, one, two, six years? Four of those years, he's had double, 11 plus sacks. And in the two years he didn't, he had nine sacks and eight sacks. Mm-hmm. Don't like to give those guys credit, dude. But there's a reason why he is mentioned. Twenty tackles for loss. Twenty-five tackles for loss. Fifteen, seventeen, twenty-two, eight. Yeah, bro. Come. How many defensive players in the NFL, Arthur Motes, over the last ten years have been legitimately mentioned as the best football player in the world? Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. JJ, JJ had a Watt. Span. Yeah. Maybe for like a year, Khalil Mack, but and then Vaughn the year where he maybe won a Super year or two yeah. Vaughn. But in terms of consistency, but Aaron it's, Donald, it's, it's not even close. It's bro. tough to be a defensive Six player and be in that Bowler, conversation. Five time first team All Pro, twenty fourteen defensive rookie of the year, twenty seventeen defensive player of the year, twenty eighteen defensive player. Of the year. 
Was he the first to ever win in back-to-back, or did J.J. Watt? J.J. did, JJ first. did back-to-back yeah, first. J.J. did it first. Okay. Whoo, Muncy. It's always fun. I always like kicking around those things and looking at some of the numbers and debating greatness, because there is no really wrong answer, right? It, except yeah. for if you got Aaron Donald any lower than number one. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think, I think Richard said last week when we were having the jersey conversation that he would rock a Aaron Donald, a, a white Aaron Donald Rams jersey, I believe he said. So, Richard, I, I think, has, has love for Aaron Donald, too. Yeah, I, I, I mean, how could you not? Well, unless you are in the division with him, then that probably Or sucks. unless you, uh, you know, attended a rival of that university located in the Oakland District of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. But he's a good dude. I mean, it's hard for me to dislike. It's easy for me to dislike LaShawn McCoy. Just go to Google. Jeez. That's <laughs> Aaron rough. Donald, I, I don't dislike what, Aaron what, Donald. What did Shady do to you? Oh, he didn't do anything to me, Jeez. but. Jeez. Just Google it. Just Google it. Just Google it. Innocent. Just Google it. Innocent until proven guilty. Match a lie. Mozi, that'll do it for today's show. Tomorrow on the program, top 10 more Jeremy Fowler, top 10 list. Where do you want to go? We, we've now gone man. interior and edge. So do you want to go to offense or do you want to continue with the defense? No, let's go offense, man. Give the offense some love, man. You know they, they prima donnas anyways, man. So yeah. Well, if you're talking prima donnas, does that mean we're talking quarterbacks? I don't like quarterbacks. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> I don't like those quarterbacks. Tomorrow list. on the show, we'll talk about the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL, as uh, said by executives and coaches. We'll have a little best of the West Wednesday as well. So we'll talk the ends then. High noon tomorrow. And as always, you know where to find us on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steeler Nation Radio.